book of Lamentations this afternoon. If you've not been with us before, we do a book of the, we call it a book of the month club, but we take a study of each book of the Bible. If you've been with us, you're wondering what's going on because we've already talked about Jeremiah in the month of February. Well, uh, part of that is, God be willing, starting next month, in the month of March, we're going to spend, if not three, at least three, maybe all four Sundays talking about the book of Joshua. The reason of that, of course, is because our young people will be studying it for the Bible Bowl competition. Uh, next Sunday, we will finish studying the book of Joshua as a, as a group. And then the next Sunday, the second Sunday of the month, will be their test that they take before they go to the competition. And so we're trying to encourage them and certainly take benefit ourselves in studying what they are. And we'll spend three or four weeks studying Joshua so that being the case, I thought, well, we'll just sneak Lamentations in a little bit early. We'll cover two book of the months, this, uh, lessons this month. So we have already covered Jeremiah, but let's think about the book of Lamentations. And if you know anything about it, you know, of course, that they are connected. Uh, we have talked about some of these poetry books for a while now. You see them as they come on the screen. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job even, and Song of Solomon. If you look, in fact, I guess I can go back, but if you go, if you look at the at things, you know, what people say, the way they categorize books, the books of poetry, even though you can't make it out, I know, the top shelf on the far right side, you see Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Lamentations is not always included in that. Lamentations is down here on the middle shelf in the green books with the major prophets, of course, because Jeremiah who wrote Lamentations, is in that group. So I don't mean to confuse you, but it is, as we're going to talk about Lamentations, it is a book of poetry. And we'll talk more about that as we go through the lesson. But we've talked about, of course, the Psalms are lyrical. The Proverbs and Ecclesiastes are didactic, which means teaching. They're teaching. We, we quote Proverbs all the time as teaching lyrics or teaching poetry. Uh, Job and Song of Solomon deal with the dramatic, in a sense, that's not to be... Uh, that's not to be a knock, I guess I should say at those, uh, but they deal with dramatical things. And then uh, Lamentations is a book of lamenting. There are three different titles we're going to mention very briefly. The first one in the Hebrew, the title for Lamentation comes from the first words. If you've opened your Bible to Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 1, you won't see these words, ah, how. I have how in my New King James Version, uh, but in the Hebrew language, it was this sort of exclamation. Ah, how? And then Jeremiah is going to lament what has happened to Jerusalem. Notice he says there, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she who was great among the nations. The princess among the provinces has become a slave. Jeremiah is lamenting what has happened to Jerusalem. He is concerned. Well, he's not even concerned. It's done. He's essentially sitting over the city and watching it in burning destruction, and he is lamenting what's going on. So the Hebrew title comes from the first words of the book. And by the way, if you've been with us through this series, that is typically the case quite often with uh, these different Old Testament books. If you have your outline in front of you from the bulletin, you'll see, uh, I believe in there, that we talk about the title of the LXX, that is the Septuagint. If you're familiar with your history, the Septuagint uh, was the Greek translation, and so there were 70 uh, translators, and so that's where LXX, the Roman numerals, comes from. The Septuagint title was the Tears of Jeremiah. I was thinking about this even just a few moments ago. Have you seen, the, some of you who are on social media, 
You may have seen the meme before or the picture of a person, and it seems to be that they're saying a prayer, but all you see in the picture is a piece of notebook paper with a pen, and you see a teardrop on it. And the, the idea behind that meme or that picture is, is the idea that sometimes we don't know what to say. We're simply in tears over what it is that's going on. And I think that may be a good description of the book of Jeremiah or the book of Lamentations. Uh, Jeremiah does go through this uh, funeral poetry, if you will, over the city. But essentially, he's just he's he's crying. He is upset. He is shedding tears over the people and over the city. So that was the Septuagint title. The full English title that you might sometimes see is Lamentations of Jeremiah the prophet. We've already said uh, Jeremiah is associated with it. And then, of course, uh, Lamentations is what he is going through, uh, this kind of idea. Even we quoted in the lesson this morning, our, this morning's lesson, we mentioned Acts chapter 8, that there, when they are burying Stephen, they make great lamentation over his death. And so we even, I usually point that out sometimes. If you've heard me uh, do a funeral service here for one of our members, I will point out that there is nothing wrong with sorrowing over death. We do that. We feel sorrow and grief. We have a hole in our life, in a sense, when we lose someone. When Stephen died, they were making great lamentation. They, they were upset at having lost him. And here, in this case, Jeremiah is doing something very similar over the city of Jerusalem. Let's give you a couple of themes as always, I don't have a lot of room there, maybe in the bulletin, and, and some of this you can jot out to the side if you'd like to make notes. If not, that's okay as well. But one of the themes for lamentation is sorrow for sin. Your Bible, if it has any kind of uh, introduction, the one that I use kind of does, and maybe yours uh, does or doesn't there. Excuse me. Uh, but mine says that it's sometimes called a funeral song. It's a funeral song or fu funeral poetry. Some people say that this was, this was Jeremiah's moment as he's sorrowing over the city of what is often considered the saddest day in Old Testament history as Jerusalem was breached by the Babylonian army and the temple was burned to the ground. And so, I mean, we know, and we're going to talk about in just a minute, the way they elevated the temple, their place of worship, this is kind of like one of those monuments this is kind of like one of those things that we would think about, you know, something like the White House or maybe some kind of place, maybe in the Capitol there. If it were to be on fire and burning, we would look at it as this monument to our city, this great place that shows what's happening. The temple is burned to the ground, and it's one of the saddest days in Old Testament history. And Jeremiah, is talk, he's talking about this, he's writing about it, and he feels sorrow for sin. Uh, don't forget, we've talked about Jeremiah the first of the month. He preached. I mean, he's standing there preaching to the people and he's telling them about their sin and how destruction is coming. And now he's sort of feeling this sense of, I told you so, even if he doesn't say it. But hold on right there. We're going to come back to that in just a second. A another theme along those same lines is the destruction of Judah as a nation, destruction of Jerusalem more as their city, and then even the destruction of the temple. We kind of keep breaking it down to the smaller section. Judah, the nation of Judah to Jerusalem, to the temple. And as he's watching this, it's probably a day that many people thought wouldn't happen. Jerry and, and, uh, Jerry and Charles have led us in a good discussion on Sunday morning over Isaiah. There are probably people who thought, you know, well, they can't touch us. There's nothing they can do. We have God on our side. But yet they're living in sin. And in living in sin, the destruction is coming. Jeremiah is feeling this sense of, of trub trouble as he sees the temple of the Lord been destroyed, burning ruins, 
And so that's what's causing him to have such emotion. As we do quite often with our book of the month study, we talk about the human author. We know that the author of scripture is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit inspired men to write these words. But the Holy Spirit, in this case, inspired Jeremiah to be the human author to record these things. Many people would say that Lamentations is an appendix to Jeremiah, kind of a connected book, an appendix to Jeremiah. Now, as we say, there are sometimes so-called scholars who would argue, well, it's not Jeremiah, Jeremiah didn't do it, and their only argument is really the fact that Lamentations is poetry. It's so different from Jeremiah, which is somewhat historical, talking about these things. And then they turn around and in his poetry, Jeremiah must not have wrote this. And it's true. I'm going to give you great detail in just a minute about the style being poetry. But yet Jeremiah was an eyewitness to these things. I don't know if you've ever warned someone before of something. Have you ever warned someone of impending doom I know that sounds very harsh but something impending that was coming you know if you keep going that direction in your life if you keep using drugs abusing alcohol these things you're gonna find yourself at rock bottom you you warn people if you keep mismanaging your money and spending like there's no tomorrow you're gonna end up broke. whatever it might be warning a family member or a friend of something that's happening that is the shoes that Jeremiah had been in that he's in here He was an eyewitness, not only to the destruction here in Lamentations, but to the forewarning. He had poured his heart and soul, his tears, into telling them, if you do not repent and change, this is what's going to happen. Similar to we think about with Noah, people are probably laughing at him, thinking there's no way it's not happening. We've got God on our side, and here he is watching it, and he feels this sense of sorrow. In fact, I told you we'd come back to it, but he... Some people would say he's not bragging, but he's really heartbroken. You see, Jeremiah could have taken a victory lap, right? I mean, he could have walked around the city. Hey, I told you so. I told you this was coming. I tried to tell you, and you wouldn't listen. I told you so. And he could have been braggadocious about it. But he's not bragging. He is truly heartbroken. Yes, he tried to warn them. Yes, they wouldn't repent of their ways. But also, he's just viewing what has taken place And this is his lament, Lamentations. And by the way, it's just five chapters. I know some months as we go over these, I challenge you, if you'd like to read this in the coming month, you can, or in the next few, maybe even this week. But this is a short one. Five funeral dirges, you might see. uh, Five laments, if you will. But five chapters where he is lamenting over the fall of of the people and their failure, their failure to be faithful to God. And he is. I mean, he's not some person who came from afar, has no connection. He's been there. He's been a part of it, warning them. And you sense that. I I didn't pick out a lot of verses. I'll go ahead and tell you now. I didn't pick out a lot of verses for us to go over this afternoon. But if you do get a chance in your Bible reading to go through this, you will see tears. You will see heart. You will see hurt. And you'll see that the way he feels as he laments over the people, over their fall, and their failure. All right, we've already touched on it a little bit here, but let's note together that this book is written as an acrostic, in an acrostic form, and it's considered, you know, poetry. And many people believe that this was to help the Jews with memorization. And we're going to come back to that again in just a minute too. 
don't know if there's a better way to arrange all this. It's hard to get it all in order. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute as well. But it was written as an acrostic. Now, as you look at your English Bible, you're not going to see it, all right? And I'm not a Hebrew expert. I don't know uh, all that. I, don't have, I wasn't going to put the Hebrew up here for you. But it was written as an acrostic as you look at the original language. Well, what do we mean? Well, chapters 1, 2, and 4 have 22 verses, each beginning with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And the key here is that there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So that's why it matches perfectly. But each verse, chapters 1, 2, and 4, begin with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. If you were wanting to memorize something, you know, we make these kind of uh, devices in our mind to try to recall facts when we're being quizzed or having to take a test. We kind of have to make something up, uh, you know, uh, the, something along those lines of Roy G. Bibb or whatever, you know, memorize the colors, the rainbow. Well, they were able to do this. Jeremiah wrote it by inspiration in such a way that all of these chapters begin with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, someone else even said, and I like this, I saw one writer who said that maybe as well the reason that it was written this way was to stress, to make a, a stressing point there of Israel's sins, as we would say, from A to Z. Their sins were great, and they had sinned from A to Z, as we might say. And so that's kind of an interesting thought to go along with it as well, that maybe it was written this way to help them remember their sin and how, how harmful, hurtful it was to God. Also, kind of con continuing this point, chapter 3 in the Hebrew is 66 verses. 66 verses, and the first three verses begin with Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew. Then it begin, the next three begin with Beth, the next letter, and so on and so forth. So again, you look at it, it's not going to make as much sense to us in that way, uh, but it is interesting that it helped them probably memorize Lamentations. The one thing, if you're keeping up with your numbers here, the one thing that's missing is chapter 5. Chapter 5 also has 22 verses, but the style is a little irregular. It's a little different, just to be honest, all right? Chapter 5 is a little bit different, but it does have 22 verses as well. Now, I didn't put this on the screen, but let me share with you a couple of uh, kind of miscellaneous notes here. It was said that the Jews would recite lamentations on Friday at the Wailing Wall, what's known as the Western Wall, and that they would, on every Friday, they would recite lamentations. It's also said that they would yearly commemorate the destruction of the temple by reciting lamentations. There's three destructions, if you recall. The first one is this one, Lamentations, which took place in 586 B.C. Then there was one by Antiochus in 168, 168 B.C. Antiochus came in and destroyed the temple. And then, of course, we're very familiar with A.D. 70. In A.D. 70, Titus and the Roman army came in and destroyed the temple. But it was say, it said that they would yearly commemorate these destructions of the temple by reciting lamentations. And it's also said that Jeremiah, uh, historians claim that Jeremiah sat in a cave or in a grotto, grotto if you will, over the city as he wept. 
And there's even a place today. Now, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, we can't say with 100% accuracy this was the grotto that he sat in. But there is still a place in uh, the Middle East there that is called Jeremiah's Grotto. And that it's believed to have been, or, or people will tell you that that's where he sat overlooking the city as it was in uh, a burning heat. And he wrote lamentations there as he wept over the city. So it's very important to the Jews. And they would think about this great destruction. All right, a few lessons here, and then this lesson will be yours for the day. Number one, we learn from the book of Lamentations that sin will certainly be punished. Sin will certainly be punished. Now, it doesn't matter, I guess, in a sense, we would say who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much of a claim you have here on this earth. Sin will be punished. Now, that was another thing that Carl and Midge and I got to talking about a few moments this morning after services. But what happens, we're afraid sometimes, is that God's patience is seen as God being okay with sin by people. Here's what I mean. If we, if we were baptized for the remission of our sins, we came out of the water as a new creature to walk in newness of life. And the first time we said something in anger, used foul language, something like that, whatever it might be, God struck us dead, that'd be a pretty interesting way to live, right? That, that's all we got was one shot, and, and then we were done. But what happens is, living in the Christian age here, under the law of Christ, the New Testament, we know that we have a chance to repent of our sins, that we are baptized, we are a new creature, the Lord adds us to his church, we come out, we may live a week, we may live a several days as a new creature doing the right things and being a good person, but eventually our flesh takes over, and whether it's a big sin, we might say, which is not necessarily true, or a little sin or whatever, we mess up. We lose our temper with our spouse or our kids. We, we lie about something. Again, our tongue, our language is wrong, whatever it might be. But you know what happens? Nothing, right? I mean, we're not struck dead. And so we say, well, you know what? I mean, well, God didn't do anything to me right now. And so then something else happens, and we mess up again, and we're not struck dead. And I'm afraid what happens to some people is they take that as this idea, well, I mean, I've got time. i got nothing but time. But as we said in our lesson this morning and emphasized pretty heavily, we do not number our days. God is patient and is long-suffering, but not that we can keep sinning but that we would have a chance to repent of our sins. And so what happens then is those, those who thumb their nose at God, we might say, and just live in defiance to his word, they look at this and they say, well, you know what? God's not struck me dead yet. I mean, it must be okay. I'll keep living the way I want to live. But we know from the Old Testament and from Jeremiah, and we know from God's promises that sin will be punished. Does it happen in the moment? I mean, sometimes. Sometimes somebody makes a mistake. They're sinning, and maybe they die, or they call someone to die, or something like that, and maybe it's because of their mistake that their life is over. But very often, we have more time. We're thankful for that. Sometimes we abuse that. But yes, sin will be punished. I think in a sense, I might say it this way, in a sense, we can be lulled to sleep, if you will, lulled to disobedience because we think we've got time. That's not true. Certainly, it will be the day of judgment. It will be Jesus' return, the day of judgment in which everyone will be judged, and sin will be finally uh, punished in a sense. But we do not need to live as if we have some special nature that it's okay. That's the problem of the children of Israel. Let's go to our second point. It goes right into it. 
Second point is God's children can fall from grace. You know what's striking as you read Lamentations? And again, please, please do if you have a few moments. It wouldn't take you certainly less than 30 minutes, maybe even shorter than that. As you read Lamentations, there is a striking aspects of the book one of the most striking aspects of the book is the former glory of the temple to now the way that it sits in destruction to the devastation jeremiah is saying i remember this beautiful building how wonderful it is we could come together and worship and now look at it devastated burned to the ground god's children can fall from grace i'm afraid that the children of israel did as we were just saying a moment ago and they thought well we're god's people God has taken care of us. God will love us. There's nothing that can happen to us. But yet their sin caused them to fall from grace in a sense. I, I didn't take the time to write down all the New Testament verses, but there are so many, excuse me, that tell us we should be on guard, that tell us to beware lest you fall. One of the most striking, of course, is Peter's words. We think about it's like a dog returning to its vomit and a pig returning to the mud. Pretty stark reminder that we can be washed and made clean and yet return to the vomit or the mud and be in sin again. We are not separated in a sense that we can never fall. We have to continue to live faithfully and we are thankful that we can learn that from the children of Israel and Jeremiah and Lamentations and realize that we still have to be faithful today even up until the point of death. If you have your Bible and you're maybe still open there, turn to Jeremiah chapter 7 for just a moment. The last point, and I want you to get, get going towards Jeremiah 7 there, but the last point is that worship is more than a building. Now that's going to sound a little funny based on what we talked about this morning, but of course let's expound upon that idea in our last point here this afternoon. In Jeremiah chapter 7 in verse 4, Jeremiah is saying that what the people are doing is they're saying to themselves, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. And what Jeremiah was telling them at that point, before we get to Lamentations, is you, you people, I think my version, the New King James here, even says, do not trust in these lying words. Jeremiah says, you people are so caught up in this building, in this temple, that you think that you can continue in sin because of that building. But you know what's going to happen? If you come back with us, I guess it'll be uh, April now. Maybe we may have to wait till April. But if you come back in April and we talk about Ezekiel, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel has a vision of God's Spirit departing from the temple. God's Spirit's not there anymore because of your sin and disobedience. And so we see here that they're laying claim to this building and they're saying the temple of the Lord. We're here. We've shown up to services. And so what we sometimes do is we say, well, you know what? I went to church today. You know what? I filled a pew. I never miss services. And to that we say, that's great. But does God have your heart? We want you to be here for services. When the doors are open and we are assembled together, we want you to be here to worship God and to encourage one another. But if you come and you just feel space for an hour or two or three and you don't do anything else, pay any attention, worship God at all, you're not doing any good. You're simply taking up a spot and thinking that you're covered, that you check the box because you're here. God wants our heart. 
We want to be here at the building as we worship together. But worship is more than a building. Now, again, this is not in contrast to this morning's lesson. In fact, they go together. We have to find the balance of being here as our elders ask us to be and we meet here and assemble here together, but not just showing up to check the box. Showing up because of that command, showing up because we love one another and want to encourage one another, but also realizing that if we take stock in this wood, in this paint or carpet, or in this building and say, well, I've shown up today, I've done enough, that's not the point of serving God. It wasn't for them, and it sure isn't for us. God wants our heart, and we have to realize that. One more passage here. Look in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse... Let me make sure I got the right thing written down here. Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. We had to go back to Jeremiah for just a moment. Sorry about that. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40. And now I realize that I've got it wrong on my slide, so I apologize for that. Got my books crossed here. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 40. There may be no better way to kind of segue into the Lord's invitation here at the end of the lesson, but to think about the words of Jeremiah, but in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. That was Jeremiah's encouragement, probably for himself, but also for the people. May that be the encouragement that we take from this lesson as well, even this afternoon. May we search out our ways, examine our ways, and turn back to the Lord. I'm truly thankful you're here this afternoon. I think you're here because you love God, you love His church, you want to do what's right, you want to study the Bible. But the possibility also exists that maybe you're here this afternoon and you need to turn back to Him. Maybe you need to turn to Him in the first way by becoming a Christian. We know that Jeremiah is not speaking in a similar sense as that was the Old Testament, and now we are under the new covenant after Jesus has died on the cross. But we also understand this, this wording, this idea of phrasing it this way, that we need to examine ourselves. Perhaps this afternoon you are here and you are not a child of God. We'll be singing to encourage you that you would obey, obey his simple commands. Those that are found in the New Testament in which you can confess your sins, you can confess Jesus as Lord, you can repent of your sins and be baptized for the forgiveness, the remission of those sins, so that the Lord can add you to his church. We always say we'd love to study with you, to know more about that as soon as possible because it is the greatest decision that a person can make. To be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, to rise out of that water, not to have the dirt washed off your skin, but to have the sin removed from your life is one of the greatest blessings, the greatest blessing, so that you can know that you were added to the church by the Lord and on the path to heaven above. But like Jeremiah would say there in Lamentations, and even the New Testament writers would, would encourage us, we must continue to examine ourselves. Even as we said last Sunday morning with our 10 questions, test yourself. Are you doing what's right? Is your heart right with God? If you're here this afternoon and you're a Christian, you're a child of God, but you've wandered away, maybe it's sin of a public nature that you'd like to come to the front and make it known. Maybe it's just that you would like to pray uh, to God for forgiveness. We're thankful for that opportunity. We're thankful to be together as a family so that we can encourage one another, even through the words of this song and even now as we stand together and as we sing.